Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored to have Rebecca Ostel-Claston on the show. Rebecca has been kind enough. This is our second, and well, actually, this is our third interview, but this is our second one-on-one interview because her first one is out there somewhere in the universe. And so I asked her if we could do a redo, and she kindly said yes. So Rebecca is an occupational therapist, Reiki master teacher, award-winning author, and inspirational speaker. She had no psychic or spiritual experience when she discovered her ability to communicate with her deceased brother. Becky struggled with how her spiritual awakening could mesh with the practical everyday world. After 20 years of spiritual exploration, Becky sold her large rehabilitation practice and her book, Change Maker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, was published. Changemaker has received five national book awards. Becky teaches empowering after-death communication workshops and Reiki trainings worldwide. She now is teaching a lot, which is so, uh, such great news. Just want to shout it to the world. She's teaching Reiki in a lot of medical schools and to therapists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, just all kinds of different different people and it's becoming so recognized in the world because such an important part of, of of really the healing process um she provides individual coaching for those wishing to communicate with their deceased loved ones which is part of reiki and we're going to talk about that too so rebecca thank you Thank you. Thank you for redoing your interview. And it's great to see you again. Oh, Myla, it is just a blast being with you. I enjoy you immensely. (laughs) And thank you for all the wisdom and joy and love that you share with our world. It's great to be back. Thanks, Becky. So let's talk a little bit today about your book. And, And as I said in your intro, you wrote it after your your brother passed. So tell us a little bit about your brother, David, and how how this started you on your spiritual journey. Sure. Thank you very much for asking. And again, thanks for having me be here. And it's a Boston accent. Even though I live in Pennsylvania, it's a Boston accent. So you'll hear that throughout. <laughs> right. My brother was 37 years old when he passed on October 1st, 1995. I couldn't understand why he passed. It made no sense to me whatsoever. I think everything in life is positive and I could find nothing positive about his passage. And about mm, 
some six or seven weeks after he passed, my heart had been filled with grief. I couldn't feel anything except for grief. My heart was closed. But on that day, it was a beautiful day. And I was riding my horse through a Christmas tree farm in Chester Springs, Pennsylvania. And I received the best present of my life that day. What I did is I opened up my heart just a little because when our heart's so filled with grief, we can't feel anything except for the grief. But we had just had our first frost. It was mid-November and rainbows were sparkling and the icicles were hanging from the trees and it was glorious. And so I said, thank you universe for a beautiful day. I closed my eyes and there was my brother, David. He was in human form, wearing a black and red plaid flannel shirt, dungarees and sandals. I had never, ever, ever, ever done anything like this, heard of it. I had, though, when David told me that he died of AIDS and I was the first person he told in the family. And so I knew for about three years before he passed that um, he was going to die because people who had AIDS in the 1990s died, which was terrible. And so I had started reading uh, books about the afterlife, which I found very uh, interesting. Didn't even know it was a possibility, but I didn't know anybody that talked with people that had passed on or whatever. So when I saw David, um, after I had closed my eyes and there he was, I said, David, and I'm talking with my voice, but it was in my head. David, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you in pain? How are you? And he was great. And then I realized that I could just send thought. And Marla, it was so exciting. We could exchange thoughts within a split second. And he was great and I was great. And I looked to my right and there were my grandparents, Abe and Bessie Dole. They had passed away about 10 years ago. My grandma's like four foot 10. Um, grandpa was six foot two, I think. And they were holding hands just like they always were, smiling away, expressing joy. There was Edward, one of David's best friends, probably his best friend who had passed about six months ago. Um, he was there. Holly, a friend of mine that had passed in a car accident about 20 years ago and about two dozen other people that had passed. And the scene was luminescent. Joy was all around. Love was just encompassing us all. And I looked back at David. And at that point, I realized there was a golden arch behind David. Now, it wasn't McDonald's. This was a, you know, a big golden arch. And in these books that I had read, implied that if you see a doorway, go through it if you want to visit another realm of existence. So I looked to David to see if he was going to take me through the doorway. And instead, my four foot 10 grandma doll takes me by the hand and we actually skip through this door. On the other side was a fuchsia colored land. Now, I have two sons, my husband and I, Jeff and I have two sons, Kenny and Ryan Clausen. They have heard this story, as you can imagine, a few times. And they say to me, Mom, do not say fuchsia. And I'm like, well, why not? And they said, it sounds like you're high. It sounds like you're tripping. It sounds like you're loaded. And I'm like, well, I wasn't. And I did see the color fuchsia. And it was all fuchsia, Mala. It was incredible, this brilliant fuchsia. And I hear my dad's... Um, dad, Gramps. And I, I didn't see him like I saw the others. I heard him. And he said, with a very loving manner, and he had passed about 15 years ago, get over here. And he takes me by the hand. 
and we fly through this fuchsia-colored land, reminiscing, sharing love, talking about how we're doing for what seemed like hours. It was magnificent. All of a sudden, my horse starts to move. And so I'm sitting on my horse, flying through this fuchsia-colored land, holding onto Gramps's hands. And I said to him, Gramps, I need to go back. And the horse is moving, it's walking slowly. And so we did this U-turn in this fuchsia-colored land. Here comes the arch. I fly through the arch. I land in front of David. The horse is moving and everybody's still there. I mean, David, my grandparents, Edward, Holly, these two dozen people. And I said, I need to go back. And you know what they all said? We're always here. We're always here. I pulled up the reins. And I sat on the horse for a long time. And I thought, oh my gosh, what just happened to me? And it was the first time that I really believed that life was eternal. And that was the major beginning of my journey. Wow. Wow. So when you were having this experience, did you, were you also thinking about yourself on the horse in the physical realm? Or was it you were so immersed in it that you were just there? I was just there. I wasn't thinking about my horse Aster at all. I was yeah. there. I was immersed in this other realm. And I've learned later that it's called a STE, a spiritual transformative experience. I had no idea there was any name for what happened with me, but it certainly was transformative. Wow. So tell us, and then you talked to Bob about this and that's how you sort of started your started writing your book I I, I um it really was quite something I I had a whole experience had a whole experience for um a year I went to look for a teacher and I thought oh my gosh I have got to learn how to talk to David again and I ended up finding a shaman a good friend of mine um Dr. Amy Carroll an occupational therapist said to me, hey, how are you doing? Now, I didn't tell anybody any of this, my, except for my husband. My husband knew about this, and I may have shared it with my parents. I'm not sure, but my husband's been very supportive, Jeff. Thank goodness. And so Amy says, she was on my staff at the time, and she said, um, how are you doing? I said, well, it's been rough, which it was certainly rough. She says, I met somebody I think you'd like. And I said, who's that? And she said, it's a shaman. And I had read about shamans, but I didn't know a shaman. And I said, a shaman? Well, what's that? She goes, Becky, I really am not sure, but I do believe they think that everything in life has energy. And she talks with people that have passed on. And I thought, all right. So her name's Nancy Ariel, and she did pass a couple of years ago. But she and I, I apprenticed with her three to six hours a week for a year. And that's where I learned how to communicate with my brother and all these entities. And, and immediately I transcribed every single session we had. And, and my book, Changemaker, How My Brother's Death Woke Up My Life, talks about that first year. And it was fantastic. But I was scared to publish it. I thought people would think I was nuts. And so I held on to it for, for 20 years. It's interesting that, that the shaman that you worked with actually helped you learn to connect with the afterlife because I've done a lot of work with, with shamanic practitioners and that hasn't been part of it. You know, I mean, it's all about the energy and this and that. So that, that definitely was the, 
the right person for you. It definitely uh, was, Mala. It was spectacular. It, it was, I would get up at three o'clock in the morning and go to work because I wanted to make sure I put in a full day before it was Wednesdays. I would go see her on Wednesdays and sometimes on Fridays. And uh, it was magical, absolutely magical. I learned more than I ever thought possible about the fact that it's not just our own physical reality. We are connected with everything. And now you've taken this and you teach after death communication, you teach, we should, we should change that name. I don't like the word death after passing communication. <laughs> um, and Reiki, tell us, tell us a little bit about that journey. It's, it's absolutely been fascinating. The whole journey since my brother passed has been magical. When I decided to publish the book or get the book published, um, through She Writes Press for Changemaker, I almost pulled out of the book the fact that I'm an occupational therapist because I didn't want people to read the book and think all OTs talk to dead people. Like I didn't think right. that was necessarily. And back then. Right, right. I didn't think that was necessarily the right message, but I've been very involved with the American OT Association and state OT associations and, and such. And I was at the American OT annual conference and there was a poster called Spirituality. And I knew that as an OT, we did something with spirituality, but I had no idea what it was. And I looked at this poster and it was by Dr. Anne Marie Hansen from Duquesne University, actually. And uh, my life changed and I thought, okay, there is a place for what happened with me in occupational therapy. And since 2005, we as a, as a profession, occupational therapy has been able to provide complementary modalities as part of our occupation-based practice. So I thought, you know, let me see if I can submit a proposal to teach Reiki because I'd been a Reiki master and a Reiki teacher. Well, I learned Reiki in 1996. Nancy did Reiki on me, with me. I learned Reiki in 1996, became a Reiki master about 10 years later and have taught a lot of people. So I thought, let me see if I can teach this at AOTA and their um, blind review proposals. And I was a reviewer for years. So I had an idea about how you write these proposals. And I knew I had to have evidence. <clears throat> so I submitted this and it got accepted. And so the first year was 2015, where Reiki, a natural energy biofield modality, one day, six hours, was taught at AOTA annual conference. And the next year, I thought, okay, that went really well. Let me see if I can teach Reiki level one, where you get everybody gets their Reiki energy activated. And then you practice on yourself and on others. So in one day, you learn how to help heal yourself and help others heal themselves. Reiki level two is where you understand cognitively why this works. So I submitted in 2016, a one-day proposal for Reiki level one, one-day proposal for Reiki level two, and that got accepted. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so since then, I've been teaching Reiki at the American OT annual conference every year. Now, during COVID, what happened is it 
I mean, the whole conference was canceled. And then I decided, well, let me see if I can teach this online. And you know, Mala, it was incredibly effective. I was very, very surprised and delighted. And so in the spring, I teach Reiki immersion online. And in the fall, I teach after death communication. It's a seven week course and the community has been great. And both of them have gone very, very well online. So I'm continuing with the online teaching as well as the in-person and it's been a blast. So how do those two interweave? Because I've also taken a Reiki one class and there was never any talk about, you know, about after death communication. I actually need to retake it because I, I think that I could have gotten more out of it than what, than, than what I did. But so how do those, how do those weave together? Good question. Most people that teach Reiki do not mention the fact that Reiki raises our vibrational energy to the, to the point where we can facilitate communication with our loved ones. But ask any Reiki master teacher, any of them, and they'll say, uh, yes, I do occasionally receive communication from guides, from the loved ones that the person that I'm providing Reiki to have. I mean, it does raise our vibrational energy so that we can almost like meet halfway so that our loved ones or spirit guides in the afterlife um, can easier, easily communicate with us because we are now, we have now activated our Reiki energy. And so I teach Reiki at, to medical professionals and anybody else, like it's everybody's welcome. And I also, this fall when I was, or this spring, when I was doing um, my first online Reiki immersion online one day training program for Reiki one, Reiki two, Reiki master, um, I added Reiki, a biofield energy complementary health modality and enhancer of after-death communication. And I thought, gosh, you know, I'm mixing medical professional and Reiki with after-death communication. It was fine. Like I didn't get any pushback at all because it is accurate. And wow. so it's really been quite um, fascinating to meld the two. And it does facilitate communication. It actually does facilitate communication with our loved ones. Yeah. So you're really a pioneer bringing all of this together. I, you're the pioneer, Becky. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was just talking before we before we started this interview. I was I was with a friend, and I told her about you. And I, I had to get home because I, I was interviewing her and a little bit about what you do. And I'm like, she teaches Reiki like in medical schools and universities. And she goes, Oh my gosh! She said, I just met someone not long ago who was teaching Reiki in hospice. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Wow, that's so, so let's talk about Reiki after death communications. And when you are working with someone, um, what, what does it do for a person? I know you say raise vibration, but what's your, what's your elevator speech? Sure. Well, actually I'm a hospice volunteer and it, it's a wonderful, I love hospice. And it's a, it's a way to, to help people that are getting ready to pass, to not be afraid of passing. But what Reiki does is, you know, if you think about energy, we don't talk about energy. If you have an EKG, an electrocardiogram, that's measuring the beat of our heart. 
what it's measuring is the energy of the hot or heart. It's measuring <laughs> the energy of the heart. <laughs> if we have a um, CAT scan, it's measuring the energy of our brain waves. But we don't call it that. We just call it it's measuring brave waving, brain wave activity. Or if we have an EK, if we have a uh, MRI, magnetic resonance image, it's say we had it of our arm. You know, we broke our arm or it's complicated break or whatever. We'd look at the health of the tissue, but it's really looking at the energy. And what Reiki does is it allows us a self-awareness of energetic healing so that the first thing you learn actually experientially is self-healing. And so you learn to heal yourself, which reduces pain. There's a totally cool um, 2019 study affiliated with Harvard with 1,411 subjects. And it, was pub it is published in the American Journal of Complementary and Alternative Medicine. I think that's what it is. Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine. Might be Journal of Alternative and Complementary Modalities. Anyway, 2019, 1,411 uh, subjects received a single session of Reiki. All, these people were all across the United States. Statistically significant results were achieved in Reiki reducing pain, stress, anxiety, and increasing a sense of well-being. And you can learn it in one day. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And so our, once we have a, a cognitive awareness of Reiki, of energy, it, it's not really... I mean, you could call it Reiki energy, but it's the energy that's very similar to Qigong and Tai Chi and yoga and healing touch and therapeutic touch. It's all the same. Reiki is just a way to activate that energy and it activates it quickly. And it, uh, it works. It's, re it's really quite something. Yeah. Well, I know in reality, it's very simple, right? Yes, it is. Yeah, it's very, very simple. And that's, I don't know why we, humans always feel like some things need to be so complicated. Agreed. You know, it's something so simple that can be so profound. So Becky, do you, I'm um, now learning about hospice and I haven't said this on the show yet, but I plan on um, being a hospice doula with children. And I'm really excited about it. I, I know that they're going to be such great teachers for me and that I will bring, you know, lots of, lots of love to them. And where do you think Reiki's place is? Because this isn't just about when you're grieving or when you're depressed or anxious. I mean, this is about happiness and joy and fully experiencing life to its fullest. That's what this energy work is about. So every one of us should be participating in this in my in my opinion and so where do you feel that it would help um children you know that mala i am so excited with what you're doing oh my gosh you're going to be a great hospice doula for children and for all others oh my gosh to have your energy in the passage came to me in a meditation and i just i can't stop thinking about it so i'm actually doing a training and so I'm only going to take one child at a time. That's my plan right now. But I just, uh, I just feel it in my heart. I'm just overflowing with, with, you know, the 
Ah, oh, just the energy. But anyway. So with, with kids, Reiki uh-huh. is called unconditional love. Like that's, you know, love. that's a, an, a common phrase. When people talk about Reiki, we're talking about unconditional love. Children, especially with ADHD, uh, hyperactivity and uh-huh. autism respond really well and they learn it fast. Like they can learn it fast and they don't need the same type of frequency of treatment. Like usually when you have a Reiki treatment, it usually lasts anywhere from easily three days, often five days and sometimes seven days from the date of the treatment. And this is any type of Reiki, like it could be for five minutes, seven minutes or 45 minutes or 50 minutes. The the length of time depends on lots of different situations, but it does help heal. And so for the children, they can really get an increase in organizational behavior, an increase in self-confidence and a recognition of their importance to the whole community of oneness and connectedness that we are all part of. You know, there's really not that much of a difference between the life here on earth and uh, the existence of eternity. And Reiki can help facilitate that awareness. Plus, if a parent learns it, it's a very lovely, um, it's a very lovely, time of connectedness with the parent and the child. If the parent's teaching the child Reiki or the child's giving the mom Reiki or the mom and dad or the mom and dad is giving the child Reiki or they're all giving each other Reiki, it's a very nice social time. And so way to go, Mala. It's a, it's a great modality. I always say when I'm, when I'm working with kids to make sure that the parents are comfortable, you know, make right. sure that we have the parents' permission. And then you always ask the person, you know, make sure the child's comfortable and not even make sure, just ask, are you okay to activate, to use your own healing energy in order to help you heal or in order to help you go to school or whatever it is that you're, you know, that you're doing. It's, it's, it's very, it works really, really well. What, what a wonderful thing it would be. And it will be in the future to have that offering in parenting classes and, you know, just like yoga for kids and, you know, Reiki for, it's probably still already out there. It is. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. So what would you like to shout to the world, Becky? Well, first of all, thank you. You're such a special light leader. Like you really just are providing so many wonderful interviews and concepts and joy to our world. I'm encouraging people to believe, to trust your gut, to trust your instinct and to share love. I mean, that's what this whole thing's all about is sharing love, whether it's through Reiki, whether your loved one is passed and you're sharing love to them in the afterlife, they will receive it. And to acknowledge all the different signs that we do receive from our loved ones that have passed on, share it and believe it because it does work. Yes, beautifully said. And Becky, if people want to sign up for your some of these workshops and learn more about you, what, um, how would they do that? Oh, sure. You're welcome to... Um, to email me or check my website. My email's Becky at, and then it's my full name. It's quite the name, but it's RebeccaAustellClawson.com. So it's Becky, 
B-E-C-K-Y at R-E-B-E-C-C-A. A-U-S is in Stephen, T is in Tom, I-L-L, Clausen, C-L-A-U-S-E-N.com. That's my email and my website. My website's RebeccaAustelClausen.com. And uh, in the fall, I've got this seven-week after-death communication course coming up. I've got Reiki coming up actually um, September 1st with the International Association of Near-Death Studies for 2021, which I'm so excited about. And then in the spring in March, I teach one day Reiki level one, Reiki level two. And if you have six months experience and a a one-to-one interview with me, um, consider being a Reiki master and learn how to teach others how to do this marvelous modality. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again, and I so appreciate it. And you also, you've brought so much, so much to the world. You're so, so passionate and effervescent. You're, it's contagious. Really. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks, Mala. And so, think of my book, Changemaker, How My Brother's yeah. Death Woke Up My Life. Check that out. It's an absolutely beautiful book. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And you have a wonderful rest of the day. You too. Lots of love to you and to the whole audience. Always and forever. Yes. Thank you, Becky. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at Interviews with Innocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.